the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black talking about the new Focus on Wealth show. Trying to get you to retirement sooner rather than later. Trying to make sure that your retirement lasts as long as possible. As far as the funds go, that's the idea of the show. Does it always work like that? Probably not. But that's the idea. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. We could certainly talk about what went down on Wall Street last week. S&P 500 sets new highs, but ends the week lower despite a dovish Fed open market committee. As far as a week goes, maybe that's how we start Mondays from now on. Look at the last week. As far as Tuesdays, take a look at Monday, how it goes. and Maybe that's the new theme of the show. S&P 500, Dow Jones Industrial Average, Russell 2000, all set intraday and closing record highs in the first half of the week. But they eventually ran into some selling season, some selling pressure, some selling due to the long-term interest rates continuing to move higher, stating that the economy is on solid footing to create inflation. The NASDAQ declined eight-tenths of a percent while the NAT and the Russell 2000 diverged with a 3% decline. Which is pretty bizarre because, again, interday, early in the week record, and then a big sell-off. 3% is considered a big sell-off. <clears throat> it doesn't sound like it, but I should set the rules and let you know. That's my thought in Wall Street parlance. The Fed Open Market Committee and Fed Chairman Powell struck a dovish and a patient tone last week that basically said they're not going to raise interest rates until – the end of 2023 through 2023 that's a long time the thought there is let's give the economy a real chance to get some deep roots and see what happens the pace of asset purchases at least 120 billion per month is in place fed chairman powell said it wouldn't be time to start talking about tapering until the fed sees some actual substantial progress on the economy So I think that's a good sign, and maybe that is what changes this Federal Reserve from previous Federal Reserves. Instead of seeing inflation and reacting, they're going to watch inflation play out a little bit to make sure that it's not a kind of a short-term blip up and then come right back down. Inflation's the boogeyman on Wall Street, and I'm sorry I'm talking about it so much lately, but it turned into a story. Ten-year ten-year Treasury ultimately settled in at 1.73% or nine basis points higher on the week. Again, when you go from 1.6 to 1.7, that's a big move. Again, it doesn't sound like it, 
but exponentially it's like an earthquake. There's a big difference between a six and a six one and a six two and a six three. I can't tell you how much of a big difference and I hope hopefully won't be able to tell you that for a long time. Ironic or coincidence. I moved to the Bay Area 25 years ago and I've only felt maybe two small, teeny, tiny earthquakes. And yet it's known for the land of shaking and trembling. Both earthquakes that I felt was, huh, you guys hear that? And it's over. And it's almost like a car hit crashes in your front yard. Not a truck, not a plane, just a car. Am I disappointed? No. Do I want to really go through a big one? No. But on the East Coast, there's this perception that earthquakes happen all the time. And that many, many, many people die from them. Evidently, the energy sector is getting some profit taking. Now I'm talking about how we're looking at inflation and you're seeing the Dow and the S&P 500 hit record highs. That's based on the economy predicting to be hot in the near term future. But one sector that's already started to get hot and now they're starting to cool back off might be energy, a little bit of profit taking, <clears throat> a little bit of a divergence. It's like tech stocks were working and the tech stocks weren't working. And then the reopening trades, the travel, the airlines, the gasoline prices, all moving higher. But a little bit of profit taking in energy to the tune of a 7.7% drop last week. That's a big move. That's a big, like, it's had a big run and some people are taking some money off the table. Almost if it's the smart money that says, we knew this was going to happen. February retail sales, industrial production, housing starts were softer than expected. But there was some positives last week with the recent passage of the stimulus, $1.9 trillion. It's going to start trickling through the economy, and a lot of people think the data will just automatically look better going forward <clears throat> because we'll have those easy compares. Again, this is not always rocket science. It's not something you could put in a linear plot. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. It's not quite the end of March, but we're getting close to one-fourth of the year being over. The NCAA basketball tournament is rolling on. All the brackets have been busted. So no change there. I think it's good to see it back after taking the year off last year. But it is still weird that there's not, you don't get to see the college kids crying, which is the best part about any, any college tournament is how crazy the kids get and then how disappointed half of them look at the end of the game. And you're like, oh, it's going to be okay. You've got your whole life ahead of you. It's just a basketball game. Something humorous about seeing tears in the eyes of a college student. Quarter end is a popular time to take stock and to rebalance your portfolio. If you're a portfolio manager and you want to show the world how smart you are, you might add or delete some ideas from your portfolio. Maybe that's one of the reasons energy stocks 
had such a bad week last week was as March starts to draw out close, we got the gains from these guys, but we don't want to look like we're investing in ExxonMobil and Chevron Texaco because they're after all their dirty carbon plays. Not my true opinion, just I think that's the popular opinion. AstraZeneca is in the news today. They said their COVID vaccine in the U.S. trial had a 79% efficacy rate, which is pretty good. Not as good as Merck's and Pfizer's, but they said they had 100% effective in preventing severe disease and hospitalization. So if I was at a high risk, maybe I'd say, eh, let's take this one over that one kind of thing. They expect emergency use authorization in the United States in the coming weeks. But there's a big brouhaha going on in Europe that AstraZeneca has had some blood clotting issues, which is far less worse of a concern for society than the COVID issues. But try telling that to a patient who's getting a, a prick in his arm. Big merger acquisition news. Mondays are always good for this. Or the, in healthy, normal stock markets, not pandemic stock markets. But in the normal times... Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern announcing an all-cash stock deal. This is a big one. I would own this merger in theory because it's essentially a global, not a global, North American monopoly on train tracks. You go try to lay down train tracks to ship freight across the country. It's not an easy task and they've already done it. And it's still a very important way of shipping in from uh, shipping goods from left to right, north to south. I think that's a fascinating merger acquisition. Canadian Pacific and Kansas City Southern. It's like owning all four railroads in Monopoly. There's no shame in that. Maybe not as sexy as having a hotel at Park Place. Anyhow, and anyway, you can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. Little Heim. Heim, Heim, Heim. Kramer says that a rush to reopen is a mistake, although he's keeping a sink at a mile reopening for his restaurant. Um... So we're pretty close. I saw more and more signs of it this weekend. More people eating inside of restaurants, more people on the road. Traffic is picking back up. With traffic picking back up, we've got the inevitable gasoline issue. Gasoline demand is approaching normal levels as Americans once again hit the road amidst the economic recovery. It feels like I should be driving into work soon. Can I lose my home studio? Will that make me the happiest man on the planet? It, it certainly could. It would be nice to mingle. Gas demand is approaching normal levels. Demand is just about at the March levels from 2020 and continues to tick higher. It's been an impressive rebound in the last few weeks. Literally, you know, valves open. The trend should tell you that we use gasoline to push our economy. We use gasoline to go on vacation and spend money. We use gasoline to drive to a massage parlor to get a massage. We use gasoline money to go to restaurants. We use gasoline money to go to work, to get more money, to buy massages and restaurants and invest. You get the idea. 
gasoline demand tells no lies. Americans are paying 14% more to fill up compared to February. With increased demand and tight gasoline supplies, we're looking at more expensive pay at the pump. So getting a little bit of a penalty, a little bit of a tax in our life. And sadly, I actually think it's a good thing. It's more of a let's get back to things that we used to go, man, gas prices suck. Hey, did you see that movie this weekend in the theaters? AstraZeneca vaccine found to be 79% effective, but the damage done in Europe as far as blood clots and nations stepping out of, let's take a look a little bit closer at this, this vaccine, has probably doomed AstraZeneca as far as getting the COVID play. <laughs> For lack of a better word, that is what it is, right? The COVID play. I don't know. That just doesn't sound right, saying it out loud. So the shares are moving higher today, but the question is, will people get the shots in the future? Has people kind of educated themselves? That's one of the things I don't like about our society. I know this is going to sound goofy when I say this, but when you... I'm not really sure what Eliquis is, but there's a lot of commercials for it, and I think I might have whatever disease that's trying to prevent, because I see so many commercials for it. I don't like that the pharmaceutical industry can run commercials that basically say, ask your doctor about Eliquis to see if it's right for you. It's like self-diagnosing yourself, right? I feel that once I turned 50, that every commercial that's tied towards a pharmaceutical I might have. <laughs> like, I, do you have thrombosis? I'm like, thrombosis? I, I think I might. I don't even, I still don't know what it is. But I think I may want the pill. I'm not sure I really like that aspect of how big pharma markets to we, the consumer, versus the doctor. But then again, I don't like the way they market to doctors either. I once was hired to give a speech to a group of doctors because doctors love to talk about investments. So Pfizer hired me to talk, and I got to watch. So I was hired not to talk about a drug, but to only talk about stock market and tech stocks. But Pfizer at the dinner, and it was a great dinner. I got a free dinner out of it, too. <laughs> one of those kind of deals. It was very eye-opening, and I never did another one again because I didn't like it. Uh, but I didn't really know what I was signing up for. So they gave a whole speech on uh, a painkiller. And for arthritis, Merck and Pfizer had these COX-2 inhibitor drugs in the 90s that ultimately caused bleeding in the heart not a good thing. So the drugs were like super aspirin, but it's in your blood too much or something. I don't know the whole science of it. But I don't really like the way they market either. Elsewhere in the news, Royal Caribbean is going to restart some Caribbean cruises in June, which will give me the ability to do my Billy Ocean. We all need a little Billy Ocean in our life on occasion, right? Caribbean queen? No? No? I can't. No, I'm not going to sing today. Sorry. The pipes aren't ready. Tesla shares are in the news today. Kathy Wood, she of the very famous now ARK Investments. That literally every hot stock she loves. Peloton? Love Peloton. Zoom? Love Zoom. Tesla? Love Tesla. Like. She's very enthusiastic on the church of what's working now in tech stocks. 
I'm not saying she's wrong. But she says, I think Tesla's going to hit 3000 by the year 2025. And she thinks it's going to be worth $3.6 passing Apple. So Tesla's moving higher today. Buggy cars. More and more reports of things like uh, the phone chargers don't work or they stop working after a little while. Uh, one of those companies that is easy to, to knock because Elon Musk is doing a lot of space stuff. So you're like, is he ignoring what's happening at Tesla? It feels like he might be a bit. But that's not fair for me to say. What else is out there? Uh, how about this for a mistake? You tell your stockbroker, I want to buy shares of Zoom. And in your head, you're like, that's the teleconferencing, video conferencing company, right? He goes out and buys Zoom Info Technologies, which is a digital ad technology. Not a bad idea, but definitely two very different companies. Like there's a Cisco CIS CO, there's a Cisco SYS CO, and then there's a Cisco RB Singer. You hope your broker doesn't buy you the RB Singer. DraftKings is in the news today. Loop Capital repeated its call for DraftKings' top pick, noting that New York is poised to legalize online gambling and the state's market will be less competitive for DraftKings than New Jersey. New Jersey has had legal gambling for a long time. So they have uh, Indian casinos. They have uh, horse racing. They've got firehouse casinos. They've, they've got that kind of culture already. But again, you probably don't know that if you're a West Coaster versus East Coaster. Elsewhere, PepsiCo is rising today, being called an overweight. Barclays noted the recent underperformance by the stock and the potential for accelerating revenue and profit growth. PepsiCo is just, I, th I think it's a nice name. It's not great. It's not fun. It's not sexy. But it's, I think um, I ate Doritos as a child, and I think my child will eat Doritos. And I bet there's a chance that his child might have a Dorito at some point in his life. I see it sticking around. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Money investing and more, focusing on wealth. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220, KDOW. There are some iconic beaches in Northern California. One of them is in Half Moon Bay, real close to the Ritz Carlton. Um,. It's a pretty nice beach, and it's pretty fun because there's a golf course that you can stroll around on the golf carts, and you can get these breathtaking views of the coastline. But even more important, you get to look at wealthy people and the clothes they're wearing, and you're, you almost like giggle. You're like, those shoes, those pants. Like, those pants cost more than a car. Um, why do I bring this up? Because it's nice to stroll and see the economic activity. And it's interesting to see what people are willing to spend lots and lots of money on. I'm one of those cynical people who go, yeah, he's got a $400 pair of loafers. I wonder how much he has in his 401k. And, and that worries me. I Sometimes I think people live in the moment versus plan for the future. I saw a report on 
how much you need to invest per month to save $3 million. And the first thing that made me scratch my head was, when I was younger, I wanted to save $1 million so I could retire. That was a big round number. It seemed like it would be enough. Now I tend to say you're probably gonna need somewhere close to two to four million, depending on how much you spend per month right now. Um, I'm I'm spending well over a hundred thousand a year, so I need two and a half to three, maybe even four million dollars to give me a bubble. So when I saw an article dedicated towards how much do you need to invest to save up to three million dollars, I was like, is the number changing? And it kind of is. It changed for me from one million to two to four million, and now I'm seeing articles saying that. $3 million looks like a right number. In theory, $3 million would pay you about $120,000 pre-tax. So let's do it after tax and say $90,000. And then let's say you live in a state like California and everything you buy has a 10% sales tax. And, oh, you could start seeing, okay, so I'm going to be living, and then you figure in your healthcare, that's going to eat another $20,000 out. So now you're living off $60,000. Rents in your area average three thousand. Mortgages average four thousand. You can like you can start going. Oh boy, I get why I need that big number of three million dollars. I don't want to shock you, and I don't want to put fear in you. That's not my goal. I just don't want you wearing four hundred dollar pair of shoes until you hit your goals. The average American in their twenties only has about fifteen thousand dollars in their four hundred one k. You're gonna to need to invest a lot more of your income if you wanna save millions of dollars. To save three million by the time you're 50, you'll have to put away a substantial amount, ultimately as you land your first job. I've got a neighbor who has a son who has turned it into a career college student, which isn't a bad thing because he happens to be studying like rocket science, literal rocket science, mechanical engineering, just crazy aerospace twists and he's got a PhD in this and a PhD in that kind of thing. And I'm like, okay, dude, when you stop spending your dad's money on college, when you do get that first job and I call him dude, cause he's a dude to me, make sure like you live with your parents for a year or two and, and save your whole paycheck in your 401k. You do that a couple years in your twenties and you'll have a big fat retirement in your sixties. So how much do you need to save to get to 3 million and target ages? It can get rather intimidating and I don't want to intimidate, but in your twenties, I want you saving at least 4% of your salary and as much as 15%. Usually your company's given and give you a match somewhere between three and 4%. That's why I'm starting there. And if they're giving you a match, free money's free money. But it's also that those early years where if money doubles every 7.2 years, you do want to get something in there in your 20s. Even if it's a little bit, it'll look a lot larger when you retire. Saw an interesting email come in. Uh, who was it? Oh, they just signed it with their city. Or maybe their name is Alamo. Email says, started working when I was 19. I've been saving half my salary since my 20s. 
Now at 52, I'm tired of the rat race. I'm tired of workplace politics. I have saved about $800,000 and another $800,000 in my 401k and I have a $300,000 house. I've got six months of emergency funds, no debt. So just like really napkin type of math, right? I see 1.6 million in savings and 401k. And I see another $300,000 in a house. Got to live somewhere. So let's call that kind of a net neutral. Um, I don't know his budget. Budget sounds like he's doing okay as he's been able to save money, invest money, pay off a house, and not have any substantial debt. No one in my family has lived past 80. So he thinks I'm dead by 80. My dad was dead by 58. My mom died at 85. So I have to kind of assume anywhere after 58, somewhere before 85. That's the idea on longevity and how you should factor it out. So my spouse's grandparents lived deep into their 90s and her parents have lived deep into their 80s. She's gonna live a long time in theory. So she has to plan for more of a nest egg than I do. Except for if I take that pressure on and say, I'm kind of the provider of that. So a lot of people have the question of, do they want to retire, especially during the COVID coronavirus? It's shaken up the way people live. Earlier in the story, I talked about gasoline demand coming back. And I'm fretting over the idea of, do I really want to go back to work? Do I have to go back to work? I want to go back to work. I do want to go back to work. I want to be in studio again. But I'm not sure I'm going to like it. There's few personal details missing from an email. Of course, you can't do financial planning via email. I don't know tax consequences and tax situations. I don't know his health. Those are all considerations that you're going to want to think about. If you're 52 years old, you're not going to qualify for Medicare for 13 more years. So out of your 1.6 million, you're going to be paying Obamacare type healthcare costs. So you may want to go price out how much is California covered? How much can I get? You don't want Cobra for a long period of time. Cobra is expensive. So if I was in this scenario, one of the, thought, the options I would start thinking about is maybe I can get a job at Home Depot and get their health care. I'm using Home Depot as a, a really crappy example. But if you don't want to be in the rat race with your corporate friends and the corporate ladder that you've been in for since, I guess he said since he was 18, and now in his mid-50s. So you don't want to be in that cost of health care coverage even if rates don't jump because of COVID-19, which I think rates will jump. When we get on the other side of COVID, your $18 hamburger at a restaurant is gonna be a $20 hamburger. Your car is gonna be more expensive. Your hotel visits are gonna be more expensive, but they're also gonna be a lot cleaner probably, right? Healthcare expenses tend to rise every year. So retiring at 65 years old, 
you need about $135,000 to spend on healthcare alone for the rest of your life if you live till 80. That calculation is based on Medicare coverage and does not include long-term care insurance. My mom from 81 to 85 was in long-term care. And that was $100,000 a year. So whatever she had at 81 was 400,000 plus lower by the time she hit 85. Her last four years life were much more expensive than any other four year period in retirement. And she was a mother, so it's tough to say this out loud, but retirement's a weird word when you're a stay at home mom. But I, I think she qualified for retirement, you know what I'm saying? So private coverage, if you leave the workforce, is expensive. And it's probably the biggest factor in me wanting to work till I'm 60, 62, 63, 64, 65, like as long as I can. So another thing about people in his family living to 80. Okay, wait, here's a good example. So my spouse's grandparents, both of them lived into their mid-90s. One of them had a nurse visit, and the other one had, she, the grandmother took care of the grandfather instead of a nurse. But if she wasn't there to do it as a stay-at-home grandmother, someone would have had to come and take care of him in his final years. Maybe not nursing home quality costs, but close. So there's some questions about his parents being dead before 80. Um, did they need nursing home? Will he need nursing home? There's a lot of questions that aren't answered here. So you can't really retire off an email. Having $1.6 million nest egg outside of your emergency fund is of course a wonderful, wonderful thumbs up, good job. But I need a little bit more information. I think you need to do a little bit more. Am I really ready to retire? And do I wanna walk away from cheap healthcare provided by my employer? Because when that's on you, it's on you. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Good news, sort of. The IRS has given us another month really our tax preparers another month to figure out all what the Biden administration's $1.9 trillion stimulus means and far as do you pay taxes on the direct stimulus checks you got or not or question mark, question mark, question marks. What exactly did we get and not get? And what do we get taxed on and not taxed on? So we get another month. Not as good as last year, where I think we got like four or five months, I felt like, extension into October. But that was a little bit more explosive COVID. Now we're kind of, how shall we say, flare-up COVID. I want to talk real quick the NFL. I was very quick to say I hate cable. I've always hated cable. We've all always hated cable. We're in this together. We hate cable. We love streaming. It's cheaper. We don't need a bazillion channels. But the NFL just did something I wish they didn't do. They just made sure that streaming is going to get more expensive. Wasn't streaming supposed to be cheaper? 
it's more expensive to be a fan. Now, the good news and bad news is TV ratings are down on, on football. And yet the deals being negotiated are longer and way more expensive. So the longer is not good for the NFL. It's good for the people like ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox. It gives them some visibility in the short term. Maybe midterm is the better way of saying that. The NFL's new TV rights, which take effect in one year, so not quite yet, and they're going to run for about a decade, is worth more than $100 billion, which equates to more than $3 billion for each of the NFL's 32 teams. That's not too shabby. Kind of wish I owned an NFL team right now. And then you're saying, Rob, you are deliriously high. Maybe. What would I do if I won the lottery? I'd buy a football team, and that's still not enough money now. So Disney, which owns ABC and ESPN, big winner. Viacom, CBS, which owns CBS, Comcast, which owns NBC, as well as Fox and Amazon, all representing the deal. That's the kicker. I just said it, Amazon. Now, we know that Amazon has kind of played with, as has Yahoo, some streaming rights. Every now and then I'll go to my Yahoo Sports app and go, hey, I wonder how the Packers are doing today. I'm like, do you want, they're like, do you want to watch the game? We got streaming rights to it this week. I'm like, woohoo. But those streaming rights are going to kill me. When YouTube TV came out, I remember there was a three month period where they said, if you sign up now, your grandfathered in at $35 a month. I'm like, I'm I, grandfathered in. I'll take that one, please. Because I know that when things start out, they lowball the cost and they raise prices later. Now, it's interesting to note when each NFL team gets $3 billion and Netflix is not Netflix, excuse me. Amazon Prime is part of the package for Thursday night games. That means Amazon Prime is going to be more expensive in the future. That's content America wants to watch. Maybe content fewer Americans want to watch now than in the past. But if you're paying for all those services, like NBC's Peacock, CBS Paramount Plus, Disney's ESPN Plus, Fox Tubby, Amazon Prime, it starts to add up. NFL fans still need some sort of cable or streaming service. YouTube TV now is $65 a month. To get a sports package with it, it's $75 a month. It means a subscription total of $35 doesn't even include what the kids want, right? Netflix and Disney Plus. So now for a family where the dad wants to watch football and the mom wants to watch Learning Channel or Home Shopping Network or what cliche can I say right now that's not offensive? Uh, Discovery Channel. She wants to watch the yachting show. The kids want to watch Marvel superheroes and the other kid wants to watch Garfield on Netflix. It's 120 bucks a month of streaming. We were pissed at cable because it was 120 bucks a month. But then cable also had like that rental fee and it had the, we have to provide internet to poor people in rural communities fee. And it just felt like, man, there's a lot of fees here. But they're about even now. Um, so the question is, 
and you're going to hear this a little bit more. Maybe we just go back to the cord. Maybe we get back on the Comcast cord connecting. Is it possible? It's possible. Dallas Cowboy owner Jerry Jones paid $140 million for his team 30 years ago. It's now worth over $5.5 billion. The average annual return during that period of 30 years of 140 million becoming 5.5 billion is just 12.5%, which is not that good for a 40-fold return, right? Streaming stocks aren't really reacting to the news, but down the road, I think we're all gonna be paying a little bit more for our streaming services. Just throwing that out there. What can you cut? What can you not cut? Wall Street's expecting the March-April period to be a little bit more frothy and speculative as Americans get their $1,400 relief payments. Wall Street's expecting a large chunk of that to go into Bitcoin and other frothy investments like Tesla. Armed with that news, is March and April a good time period to, to speculate? Certainly helps when all others are speculating as well. Of course, you want to consult a broker advisor for taking any action on any stocks ever mentioned on this show. You can always find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. If you lose the podcast, if you move to another area, doesn't carry the show, find me online at robblackshow.com.